Coming to you live from the Morningstar Mission Sponsored Studios, this is Carl and Crew Mornings on 90.1 FM Moody Radio. Good morning to you. I'm Allie. This is Carl and Crew. So last week I went to uh, went to the gym with my family. The kids were on the basketball court uh, with my husband. They were getting shots up. And the cool thing about the gym that we go to is that it has a track that overlooks the, the basketball court. So that's where my family spends the most time. They're down on the court and I'll go and I'll start walking on the track. It was this was, I believe, Friday evening. And so it was later on. So the courts were full, were full but the, ja- the track was pretty quiet. There were just maybe three or four of us. I was the walker. There were a couple joggers. And then I got back to the beginning and uh, one of the workers came up to me and he said, I I just wanted you to be aware there's a group that's coming up to use the track. And I said, awesome. Coming up. I'm going to tell you about this group that he wanted to let me know was coming up to use the track and how it relates to what we're talking about today. Talking about Jesus and having fun while doing it. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. So I was probably on lap eight or nine. It was a small track. So it's one of those ones that you have to probably walk nine laps to get to a mile. Yeah, yeah, okay. So I'd been walking a good amount, and I'm a I'm a power walker, so I don't do the stroll thing. I'm usually going at a pretty good pace. Sure. Uh, this is Carlin Crew Mornings, by the way. I'm Allie. Friday night, I was at the gym with my family. They The, the kids were down on the court getting up some shots, uh, jump shots and free throws and layups, and my husband was working with them. And I like to go up on the track and do my walking uh, while they work out. And so I brown lap nine, one of the workers in a red t-shirt, he comes up to me and he said, hey, excuse me, it's no problem if you stay up here on the track. You can continue to walk, but I wanted to let you know there's a group that's going to be coming up to use the track as well, so I just wanted you to be aware. And I thought, well, this is kind of odd. I mean, wants to just let me know that there's, like, more people, (laughs) that the track is going to get busier. Get out of the way. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And so he goes, this group um, is visually impaired, so I just wanted you to know. I said, okay, what part of the track – would you would they like to use it's a four lane kind of a banked track so the outer corners go up and so he goes well maybe if you stayed to the outside so that they could have the inside two lanes I said hey no problem and so I continued and I saw a group start to build a kind of assembling getting ready to start walking I took probably about three more laps before they actually made it out to the track and so they had come up and there were um, some seeing eye dogs that were with Mm. them and it was a whole group and two by two, they started to come to the track, which I thought, and I was just watching them as I was walking. And the first group uh, was a, a two women, and they had a band strapped with their arms strapped together. And oh, so okay. the, the person who was visually impaired got closest to the inside of the track. And then the person who was kind of guiding them, who uh, was able to see completely, sure. w- would walk with them. And they had their arms kind of tied loosely together so that they could stay. And I just, and I'm watching and I thought, this is absolutely incredible. So the first group were were walkers. Then two men got on the track. Same thing. They had their arms strapped together and the person led the person so that they could feel where the rail was. That was the Mm -hmm. barrier separating the track from, you know, the court below. And they started to jog. And then Mm. jog a little quicker. Mm. And they're going step for step, paced together, running this track. It I don't know why, but it almost brought tears to my eyes. Really? It was one of the most beautiful things. What 
what was the progression that would have brought tears to your eyes from I, that? I was. Just, what were you thinking? I was so struck by the beauty of what they were doing. Hmm. Um, you know, I my my grandfather was completely blind, so yeah. I so I am familiar with what it takes to kind of guide and assist somebody who can't see, and so just seeing the way they were working together, and then. For some reason, this image came to me again in the night, and I just thought about what it looks like when we follow the Lord yeah. and how when we're a disciple, so often we don't necessarily see what's coming. Mm. Yeah. But the level yeah. of trust that it takes to bind your life to someone else's, or in yes. this instance, it was just for a walk or a run, but the level of trust that it would take, because I thought, you know, I'm up on here, this track, we're, you know, maybe... 75 feet above this court. Yeah. So we're up in the air. And I thought, what would it be like to not be able to see where I'm going? Mm, yeah. And so as the Lord, I feel like woke me up in the middle of the night and I was thinking about this and I thought, sometimes that's kind of what we feel like when we're following the Lord. Like, I trust you, but I can't see where I'm going. Right. So I'm just yeah. going to trust that I'm attached to you and I'm going to keep on walking. What a beautiful picture of what it looks like to be a disciple of Christ. We don't always see the next step, but we trust the one that we're walking or running with. Your shot of hope to make it through the day. It's Carl and Crew Mornings. We have a special guest, Tim Downey, with us. He has taught at Moody Bible Institute since 05. He currently teaches in the disciplines of youth and pastoral ministries, spiritual formation, leadership, and strategic planning. Also, the senior director of campuses and outreach at Christ Community Church, which is in St. Charles. Good to have you with us here, Tim. It's great to be here. This is the most important topic we can discuss. It is the the center of what the gospel is about. It's the it's, center. It's about being transformed into the image of Jesus. We know that the word, we're going to explain here, Boom Crew, this morning, um, what is a disciple and the why. We're going to spend some time on this one. So call your friends because we got a great guy here. And, and if I was ever white hot on fire for this topic, it is now. Yeah. I am so white hot. We're ready to go. Allie's white hot on this topic. Our whole team is. When we look at the words of the scriptures, we find something insightful. The word Christian is used three times in the, if you look at an ESV, for instance, for which that's what I read from. Uh, the word believer is used uh, eight times in the ESV. Believer, uh, for addressing what a person with formative faith around Christ is. So Christian three times, believer eight times. Disciple or follower 269 times. It indicates movement, doesn't it, guys? Mm -hmm. It indicates we're going somewhere. What is a disciple, Tim Downey? It's a person who is following in the character of Jesus. They're being conformed to the character of Jesus Christ. And so they're no longer just believing in a set of facts. They're actually literally being conformed to the character of Christ. Okay, not believing a set of facts, being conformed to the image and character of Christ. Some have said, I think Dallas Willard's famous for saying... Um, apprentices of Christ, right. which is a great term. Uh, everybody's going to college now. We need more skilled people, folks. So if, don't raise your children to go up to go to college necessarily. Um, there's skilled trades out there. And I think of carpentry, uh, the carpenters union that I know of in Alaska, you've got um, apprentices that follow these seasoned, full-blown, all-in-the-union-all carpenters, right? Right. And those apprentices, they do what 
Um, I'm forgetting the name of the guys that actually have made it, but they they do what the senior like a master carpenter, yeah, kind of a master carpenter um, has done, and the apprentices watch, they emulate, they follow, they take instruction. You don't pop off. This is why it's going to be hard for our culture today to have apprenticeship to anything because we put the big hat on 17 year olds like they're all wise, but. <laughs> No, really. But but they aren't. And we all know that. And you only know it until you get older. But apprentices follow, imitate, emulate that, in this case, master carpenter. Isn't that cool, guys? It is. So I guess the question is, is every believer a disciple and is every disciple a believer? Can those words be used interchangeably? Uh, I think that we have done that. I think we have <laughs> essentially separated the two, but I don't believe it was meant to be. What do you What do you mean by that? How have we separated the two? I think we because we have created, as I was kind of alluding to, I think we have created a Christianity that is, if you agree with this set of facts mm-hmm. about Christ, then you're a Christian. But what we have failed to do is we have failed to help people understand that that is not truly the case. We've separated justification from sanctification. It was never meant to be so. That's a powerful statement. How much of doctrinal statements screwed us up where we have a what we believe statement? Now, I'm a big believer. I'm not saying pitch doctrinal statements. I'm a big right. believer in solid doctrine. But we've ascribed to the Trinity, the resurrected Jesus. I mean, we got our list. How much have we just because for membership at most churches, you've just got to check the box that I believe your mission statement. Nobody right. says check the box that you're committed to being a disciple. No, it doesn't happen. Pretty interesting stuff. We used a couple words, justification, sanctification. Let's break yeah. those down. Give some definitions there. Uh, sanctification's big fan. I'll let you tackle justification. Sanctification's big fancy word for growing up strong in Jesus. I mean, just growing. I mean, skin, knees, busted lip, and the whole bit. It's about Letting God make us clean through and through. Right. We have separated the terms justification, sanctification, justification being made just or right before God because of the atoning sacrifice of Jesus. We call that evangelism that we focus on. Getting people justified. Yes. Right. And then sanctification is being formed into the image of Jesus, but it was never meant to be separate. Jesus said in Matthew 28, go and make disciples. Disciples which is a combination of both. They're just separated for doctrinal purpose of description, but they're not meant to be literally separated as we've done in the church. How awesome is is this discussion? It's awesome, but it's also, it's sobering because I think about my own church background and I grew up in the heaven's gates, hell's flames sort of (laughs) era. (laughs) If you, if you grew up, if you're, we all were, don't beat yourself up. And so I remember a lot of emphasis being placed on evangelism. So sharing your faith, telling people about Jesus and you don't want people to go to hell. You don't want to go to hell. So make sure you get saved. So I, I mean, I got saved I'll use air quotes here. I responded to all kind of altar calls. I raised my hand all the time because I was so afraid of I'm going to go to hell. I'm going to go to hell. I don't want to go to hell. But I look back on my kind of youth group upbringing. Discipleship was never a part of that. It was kind of getting saved. Yeah. It's like we got the word out really well. We just didn't tell them what to do with it. Yes. So if Jesus is the journeyman and we are apprentices to use that um good old-fashioned carpenter's training tool term, what's that going to look like? 
What's it look like? As a matter of fact, let's let's go this way. Tim, what has to change in the church for us to become apprentices of Jesus? And then we're going to answer this morning. This may take some time. We may have this cat daddy, Tim Downey, around here a while. Why? We got to have a big reason why. That's all coming up. Your shot of hope to make it through the day. It's Carl and Crew Mornings. We have a special guest, Tim Downey, with us. He has taught at Moody Bible Institute since 05. He currently teaches in the disciplines of youth and pastoral ministries, spiritual formation, leadership, and strategic planning. Also, the senior director of campuses and outreach at Christ Community Church, which is in St. Charles. We're going to get to the why yeah. in just a moment. But what has to change? We've been talking about how we've separated believer and disciple, that this, there's this category of people who come to saving faith in Jesus. And then there's this other category of people who are really growing, but those aren't necessarily one and the same thing. And that's a bit of a problem. How do we bridge that gap in the church? If we go back to justification, sanctification for a second. Yeah, you're big on bringing those together, yes. aren't you? Well, I am. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Only because the word of God is. <laughs> it seems to be. <laughs> so if we think about the fact that we have been made right with God because mm-hmm. of the atonement of, of Christ, but that doesn't make us godly. First yeah, Timothy 4, 7 statement. says that we must train ourselves to be godly. It doesn't just happen. We are set as righteous before Christ, but we're not living godly lives. We have to train ourselves to do that in the same way that journeymen, apprentices, they train for the skill. Correct. Right? They have to be present and learn and train. It doesn't just come by osmosis. Correct. Uh, They have to train. And so we have to do the same thing. We have to train ourselves to be godly. It will not happen automatically. One of the problems comes in is when we start training in our own strength, or what Paul commonly called the flesh, which is the Greek word sarx, which means all the stuff we are apart from the anointing and the bounty of God. How do we train without bootstrapping it in our own strength? It is a matter of the heart, isn't it? It really is. It's a matter of whether I'm doing this uh, because I have to, or because I desire to be conformed to the image of Jesus. Uh, because those those practices, as you talked about, those practices will in fact conform and rub off the ref, rough edges in my life uh, to become godly. But it's got to be a motivation of the heart. I remember when I first came to Christ, uh, I started the practices, the disciplines, and I was doing it because someone told me to do it. I'm, yeah, I, I yeah, should just yeah. do that thing. And then eventually I understood that it was not about the practice so much. It was about what the practice was doing to me and how I was being formed to the image of Jesus as a result of those things. Can we, we're called to make disciples. Can we make disciples of anyone who isn't broken before the Lord and in a heart attitude of humility? By the way, I am a big believer and we champion this constantly. And I agree with Andrew Murray. Humility is the one virtue that gives birth to every other virtue. I have found in my life, I am not a disciple of Christ unless I am humble. If there is an ounce of pride in my life, I am not a disciple. Can you disciple people that are not humbled and broken before the Lord? Can you? I don't think so. And I think that even when we call them to Christ, the 
the evangelism part of it, when we're calling people to consider and to repent, it's not simply a come and be saved. It's come and surrender your life. Boom. Uh, because Christianity without discipleship is not, it is, as Bonhoeffer said, Christianity without discipleship is Christianity without Christ. That's what he said. Yeah, and so it, we must call them wholesaled to Jesus Christ and to being conformed to the image of Jesus. It is absolute surrender. Okay, we're going to do two more things coming up, Boom Crew, and I want you to hang on here. We're going to we're going to talk about why, and then we're going to get into the how. So we've kind of been talking what, right? Mm-hmm. What is a disciple? A little bit of the nuances around it, but let's go forward. We're going to jump forward into why. you got to know why. Why, why can't I just go to church, Carl? I give 10% or excuse me, national average for Christians is two to 3%, but I give two to 3%. Why, why can't I just keep doing that? I'll be there Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday, Pastor Carl, leave me alone. Well, because you're leaving too much on the table and we'll talk about it coming up. Want to hear that again? You can find the best of each show on carlandcrew.org got a special guest in studio with us right now. Uh, Tim Downey, he's uh, taught at Moody Bible Institute since 05, teaching in the disciplines of youth and pastoral ministries, spiritual formation, leadership, and strategic planning. Okay, Tim, let's re-hit it. What is a disciple? Give it to us, my man. A disciple is a person who has come to know Christ, and uh, they have been conformed to the image of Jesus through a, a combination of grace and effort. I love that. I'd use the words dependence and diligence, and dependence always must come first, right? Absolutely. So, I mean, you got to have that lethal combination. The why. Let's get into that. Why become a disciple? That's the question that's in front of us all of the time about just about everything. Why should I do this? Why should I do that? Right. Um, I think it comes down to uh, the question of, do we desire to be conformed into the image of Jesus? And if we desire to be conformed to his image and conform to the character of Jesus, then we will be about those practices and we will be about being uh, conformed, discipled uh, into his image because it will not happen otherwise. I wonder if we, though, diminish the potential impact of that because that is the goal if we don't quantify what conformity means. I have come to the point where I'm realizing, looking at the world, looking at the church, looking at family structures in our society, that we've got to get dogmatic about one thing, and that is the potential if you begin to become a disciple. Dogmatic about you can break familial habits that you said, I never want to be like my mom in, but now you are like your mom. Those can be broken. Those habits Those chains can be severed. Those horrible thoughts of shame in your mind, you can get freed from them. Jesus doesn't live with this thing. You can get free. All things can be new. All things can be new. Absolutely. Yeah, we, um, and it's not going to happen apart from uh, relationships, relationships with other followers of Jesus Christ and an intimate relationship with Jesus. And I think this is the key. And this is hard, is allowing uh, what C.S. Lewis called interference in our lives. Uh, he said, I hate interference. I, I'm in my not life. familiar with that. Uh, so interference is people meddling in our lives. And so in a, in a godly uh, 
spiritual way, allowing people access to my my life and asking me hard questions and interfering with my my process. That's what he meant by that. I think we have to be willing to allow people and the Spirit of God into our lives to begin to break those chains and strongholds in our lives. Best thing my bride and I did in this last year, uh, we actually, (laughs) some people might think we're nuts on this one, but it's the best thing we did. There was one day I looked at him and I said, I don't know why we hired you. Why would I hire someone to do this to me? We hired some life coaches, some mentors who, I mean, have been there, done that, got the t-shirt shop. They're about 10 years in front of us. And we met monthly and we had some hardcore stuff. Here's the problem with interference. Interference is, it's awful, (laughs) but it's the only path to make headway in this life. I mean, quite candidly, uh, we're a team here, a radio team. But if we don't interfere with each other enough to ask questions about what we're doing and how we're doing it, we'll actually degenerate, Mm -hmm. not regenerate. Does that make sense, Tim? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, we have to um, we have to be about as Philippians two says. We need to work out our salvation. We need yes. to be working it out. It's been salvation has been given to us through justification, right? Right. But we need to work it out. We need to be about um, see, being uh, having our minds conformed to the truth. We need yeah. to be obedient. I think that's a key as well. Is that we don't we like obedience. obedience, don't we? Just obey. Just do what he says. But we don't like that too much. And when we do it, we try to do it in our own bootstrap and strength. We do. As apart from the Spirit of God. Okay, coming up, why don't we get into the how of yeah, this thing? Because I know you may be listening this morning, and I think if I could boil this down to where a lot of people sit or live is, I'm a Christian, I've been saved, but I'm not growing. I am stuck. And you're right on, Allie, and, and some, you're sitting there thinking, no, I'm there. I'm, I'm not humble all the time, but I have humble moments, and I'm broken, and I see my need, and I want to be an apprentice. I want to go that way. I'm, I'm ready. I, I want my family ties broken that I don't love about my dad. Some of those stinking things that I thought I would never be, I am Carl, and I want them gone. And these habits and these secret sins, I want them broken. And these shame moments in my mind, I want... Guess what? God does too, doesn't he, Alan? Yes, he does. How cool is that? Coming up, a couple of minutes, we're going to go answer how to be a disciple. Helping you start your day with a boom. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. How will we become disciples? How do you become a pro basketball player? You've had a phenomenal vantage point for all these years watching. Uh, Allie's married to a super jock. Henry was one of the biggest basketball stud muffins spiritually and physically <laughs> in Europe that there was. No joking. He played with Trajan Langdon and these big names over there that could have come back stateside and played in the NBA. Uh, but he was uh, doing well there and plugging away and what makes what makes a great basketball player? What? Lots and lots of practice and repetition. My husband was his specialty was the three point shot, so he 
would shoot. I remember when we were in college, he would get up before class and he would go in the gym and he would set up trash cans because he didn't have even have cones. So he would pull he the trash de- cans. He didn't have defenders that would he come out. He didn't have defenders. So he would set up trash cans to kind of give him points or like a the defensive presence and points that he different spots on the court that he wanted to make a certain number of not just shots, but makes. And he would do this day after day after day. So many hours spent in the gym. Obviously, when it comes to sports, there's some natural gifting, but by and large, a lot of work. So we're called to run in such a way as to win the prize. I remember we got Tim Downey with a special guest. We're going to get to this, but I want to raise the specters how important this is. I remember Calvin Lowers, my good buddy, cross-country ski phenom in his high school years in Alaska. And he wanted to beat this one kid that was on his team. And he couldn't figure out how to get the edge. And finally, he figured it out. They'd go back to the ski shop after they were done skiing their practice reps. They'd put away everything. His friend would head out, go to get in the car with his mom and dad who picked him up. Calvin would stand out there like he's waiting, but he had told his mom and dad to come an hour later. He'd go back in, get his skis out of the locker. He'd ski another 5K with sprint reps or something like that. Mm. And pretty quick, he beat him. Now, we're not competing against anything with each other. But we are running a race in, in a way to win. Tim Downey's with us right now. Moody Bible Institute, by the way, has got a new position, Senior Director of Campuses and Outreach at Christ Community Church in St. Charles. But um, how do we become a disciple of Christ? Some of what we're talking about here is is elemental in this. It is. Um, Ali, you, you explained to some degree what it means to put forth effort mm-hmm. uh, to to become the best that you can possibly be in basketball. In basketball, right. Right. Uh, those, it's the same thing with being a journeyman or an apprentice and as a plumber or an electrician. Uh, you have to practice in order to become better. As 1 Timothy 4, 7 says, train yourself to be godly. Um, the, I think the other thing is that we need presence in our lives. What do you mean by that? I need, we need people who are present in our life. Um, Those individuals that I have spent the most time with over a period of years, those people who I have invested my life in, or they have invested their lives in me, that's where true uh, change begins to happen. It's those iron sharpening iron relationships that actually develop and uh, within me and within others a desire to follow Jesus, an accountability to follow Jesus, uh, and 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 just a willingness that emerges from that. We see that we see what happens when we begin to practice the disciplines uh, that are that are put forth uh, from Christ's life. Ali gave a couple of words here. I think I've used these before. Um, they didn't make it into my book. I don't know why, but God's good. I've I've used this because it doesn't connotate um, a scribe intent. It just shows objective need, and that is the term best practices. What are the best practices? Will that show us the how of discipleship? You sit down. You've got Allie and I, are we're your apprentices. You're journeyman, stud muffin disciple, all right? I'm putting the big hat on you, Tim. (laughs) We don't know dip diddly. What are our best practices? How do we grow up in this thing called sanctification? How do we do it, Tim? Floor is yours. Uh, first of all, again, 
We have to have people in our lives. We cannot do this solo. Okay. Critical, right? Right. Got to have people. Secondly, I think to, as, as an opposite of that in our lives, we need, we must create space yes, of space. solitude. Boom. Uh, 100% agreement. This, this, this notion that you can fly 100 miles an hour through this life in the American dream lifestyle and become a disciple, there's a Greek word for that. Baloney. <laughs> Absolutely. We have no margin in our lives, right? And yep. so as a result, it just runs off of the edges. And uh, we're running 1,000 miles an hour. And we were not meant to. We were not built for that. No. We were built uh, for balance in our lives. And the way I have found it for my own life is, is, in fact, silence and solitude before God. I used to take students off on a 24-hour silent retreat. It blew their mind. <laughs> the first few hours were agonizing. They were. <laughs> they would come back after 15 or 20 minutes and, well, what did you learn? Uh, and they were anxious. <laughs> At the end of this 24-hour time, we had a four-hour period of time where they were alone with the Word of God and God. And that was it. And they came back to me at the end of that 24 hours and they said, I have never heard God speak so much in my life. And I said, you know what that, why that is? No, why? Why is that? Because you positioned yourself to hear God. Yeah. I mean, it's that simple. I mean, come away. Can't watch and pray. Can't you guys stay awake? Watch and pray with me, Jesus said from the garden. All right, we're still, Allie and I are still dying to know there's got to be more than people in space. What else, how else are we going to be a disciple? I think there also uh, needs to be uh, a removal of things in our lives that are distracting. Boom. Um, Boom. I, I think that could be um, bad friends. A, it, it could be a number of things. It could be, uh, you know, Bad company corrupts good morals, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, it could be living with less, meaning we, most of us, not all of us, but there are many of us, have way more than we need. You're being gracious. The average person in America, no matter where we're at on this economic spectrum, have way too much stuff in our life. Yeah. And what that requires is that we are actually having to care for that stuff rather than care for our souls. I had a rich man tell me one time, he said, you know the problem with making a lot of dough? I've got more insurance policies than I did when I was a kid in college, and it's enough to drive you batty. I insure the boat, I insure this house, I insure that house. He was just giving me an example of when you get more, your life swells with responsibility. Okay, so we got space, we got people, we got space, we got remove stuff. I think another one is... Um is secrecy. What I mean by that mm. is not... I, I thought we had a lot of that already. <laughs> I mean secrecy and not trumpeting who we are or what we've done. Uh -huh. um, you know, can, can't we just go bless someone? Without telling without people telling on people Facebook? That, exactly. Uh, but, but we have a need to be affirmed. But that doesn't come through uh, us uh, affirming ourselves. It comes through the affirmation of what God says about me not about what I say about me or what other people think about me. So practi the practice of secrecy is a, is a wonderful discipline that we can put in our lives to where we don't have to be heard or seen. Good stuff. We're not done yet, Boom Crew. Coming up, we're going to talk with Tim Downey about next 
steps. Where do we go from here? Where do we go? Next steps coming up. Your shot of hope to make it through the day. It's Carl and Crew Mornings. Big book sale. If you are an ebook reader, that's my favorite way to read is on my e-reader. Ebook sale at Moody Publishers one day only. Books are 2 dollars 23 hand-selected books that are gonna really gonna help you grow in 2023. One of them is Carl's Seven Resolutions. So if that's something you're interested in, just text the word sale to 312-274-9624. Just text the word sale. Carl, so you're gonna tell us the attributes of a Hall of Fame quarterback <laughs> from experience or you know, just watch. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, I'm going to say it from experience. Hey, <laughs> hey it's uh, good to be in there with you, Allie. I'm, I, was, I was going to act as if I am not sick. Yeah. But then I realized, hold it, I sound like I have 42 cotton balls up each nozzle. Yeah. Oh. You sound so a little when, sick. When you sound like you've got 42 cotton balls crammed up each nozzle. It warrants no an explanation. Long. Yeah, I just got, I got back from Israel. And I made it the whole way. We started getting some sickness in the in the boom crew that was with us on this trip. And um, just at the end, and I got up Sunday morning to go preaching because I was full of juice and fired up. And by Sunday night, whammo. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I got the spiritual gift of flu bug this morning. And I'm really thrilled because it's... Uh, Keeping me positioned before God. Yeah, so you're me. home and yeah. you're and you're getting getting some rest and I then am. broadcasting and doing other I am. stuff. How's it sounding? Does it sound like I'm in studio? We, Could have I faked it? Yeah, I mean, you you definitely sound a little sick, but you're coming in loud and clear. Okay. So I know yeah. we're just we're just glad to have you. However, we got you. Yeah, I don't like faking it. You know that. Nally doesn't like faking it. No, no, the whole team. So we just tell it how it is. So yeah, I'm going to be home here until I get better because the last thing I want to do is. Pass this spiritual gift on to you, Allie. Thank you. Thank you for that. Super nice. Appreciate it. But I do. I'm fired up this morning because this week is it's my it's it's the wheelhouse that God's had me in for two years. But I want to I want to play a little game here and I'm going to really tweak Young Thunder this morning here. So can Uh we jump in? Do Uh I have time for this, guys? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Go ahead. So. All right. So here's the deal. If you think about the attributes of a disciple, and we're going to be talking about that this week. I'm going to, let me give you a punchline right now. Out of the nearly 300 times disciple is referred to in the scriptures, it is, there are four times that you get distinct attributes. Just four, but they're big boys. And they, they're, they're solid. So if you think about the attributes of a Hall of Fame quarterback, I mean a guy that can Put your team up on his shoulder and really, when the chips are down, carry you there. What are the attributes, guys? Come on. Let's kick it around. What are they? I think the first one is a history of success on in terms of wins and losses, championships. You know, you're going to have a, a record of success. Okay. Yeah. No question. That's a big one for sure. What else? I would say... it's. I've not seen a Hall of Fame quarterback who wasn't a, a pretty strong leader and could lead and motivate people. Okay, those are two big ones. History of success and a leader. Allie, I'm with you. I'd put leader like, boom, right mm-hmm. near the top. I'm not yeah. sure that, I'm not sure leader, because there's some non-leader personalities that have won some big Super Bowls, but not many. Sure, yeah. sure. So, okay, what else? Super Diet, your turn, sister. Uh, quick thinker, problem solver. Quick thinker. Mm-hmm. Okay, I would say that's right on, especially as it relates to the one thing that, and I'm going to, Go off what Super Dye just said to kind of tip my hand here. 
When you're thinking about a quick thinker, there's this thing in the NFL called reads. Now, by the way, if you're not a football fan, hang on. We're going to get out of this. But this is really important. And I'm fired up about it. I'm back in town and fired up. Okay, so here's the deal. We have got a real dilemma with this number one draft pick. Young Dunder might know where I'm going here. And some mm-hmm. people might say there's no dilemma at all. Others <laughs> might say there is a dilemma here. That, but I think there's a dilemma. Okay. And here's the dilemma. And I don't think it's a big one because let me tip my hand. I would keep Justin Fields because I think he can get there. But there's an attribute of a Hall of Fame quarterback that you have to have in the NFL. And guess what it is? He's got to be a pocket passer. This is true. It's okay. true. He's okay. got to pass the ball. Fields has wheels like crazy, like world record wheels. But the question is, can he pass the ball? So now it's almost a bummer we got the number one pick because Bryce Harper is out there right now. Or Bryce Young. Yeah. Bryce Young. Excuse me. Bryce Young. Bryce Harper, I think, is a basketball player. Bryce Young is out there right now from Alabama, and he can throw the ball like crazy. Right, Young Thunder? Yeah, he can. He's, he's really good at slinging it. He is slinger, man. So what do you do? Now, when you're, when you're a coach and you're a general manager, you're making big decisions with a lot of money on the line, a lot of franchise support on the line, and, and you want to win. But I think if we take that, and I'm not here to answer it. See how I'm leaving that unresolved? Yeah, leaving it unresolved. I'm leaving it unresolved because <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not a football analyst. <laughs> but that's for guys that make more money than me to figure out. But here is the thing that I love about that question. When you think about the attributes of a quarterback, isn't it just as valid to think about the attributes of a great Hall of Fame disciple? Now, I'm not talking about Hall of Fame from a standpoint of, wow, look at me, man. I can do backflips. I'm talking about humble, fruit-producing, high-stepping, end-zone-finding disciples of Christ. Hmm. Isn't that kind of fun to think about, Alan? I think it is because... I think it's very natural to want to know kind of like, how am I doing in this area? Do I have these things? We always love to have lists to kind of tell us where we're at on things. And not that you want to rely too heavily on that, but it is helpful to know what you're aiming for. Yeah, a list to live by is a bummer. A list to measure yourself by ain't so bad. I mean, if, if you've got something that goes, all right, where am I? Where do I stand here? So coming up here, Allie, I've got one for us that is for today. You might have already unveiled it, but I'll pop it again. And what's really cool about this attribute is you really can't understand it unless you read what comes before it and what comes after it. So I can hardly wait, sister. The before and after coming up. Helping you start your day with a boom. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. Well, Boom Crew, I got to tell you, I know everything inside you is like, I want my life to count and I want to be a witness. And sometimes we look at people around our neighborhoods and families and friends and we think, how can I do that? I got to tell you, this week, the brand new podcast from Allie in Snapshot Testimony is killer. Let me tell you what it does. If you're a pastor, I need you to go check it out. Here's why. It shows the power of real-life ministries impact to people that are looking for real-life answers. This guy named James, uh, he's got a, uh, some needs in his life. He's got kids he's got to care for. And lo and behold, he runs headlong into someone who's got their kids in Awana, and the rest is history. You know, I think sometimes, Boom Crew, we look at our lives and we wonder, how can they really count? You know, what's going on in my life that can really count? You might be involved in a church, in a ministry, in a 
an extension of the love of Jesus into Chicagoland that someone's looking to come along for the ride. And guess what? It's the answer to their soul being saved. So if you're an Awana fan, you're going to love this for sure. But this isn't even about Awana because God used Awana in a big way here. It's about powerful ministry that scratches the itch that our world is dealing with. And Awana's one because they, they don't know what are we, how are we going to raise kids in this world. So check it out. Text word SNAP to our number 312-274-9624. Text the word SNAP. You got it to 312 312- Two seven four nine six two four. One of the things that we're wanting to do here, Allie, as we steam into 2023 is expand our reach, expand our, our right. sphere of influence. So given folks, even things like, yeah, snapshot testimony, your blog is dynamite and I can cheer for you. Like you never can for yourself. <laughs> well, How I, about appre- them apples? I appreciate that, Carl. Again, that word snap, 312-274-9624. This week, we're talking about four attributes of a disciple. Carl, you promised us a verse, but the before and after is critical to really understanding where we're going. Yeah, it really is here. This is a classic verse. I think it can kind of catch us by surprise. If we think about an attribute of a disciple, this is... This is the first one we want to unveil today. And this one's one of those, whoa, you got to be kidding me. That's like an attribute of a disciple. I thought this is an attribute of like Mother Teresa and Billy Graham and people that, you know, lay down everything and go across the world. No, hold on here. Look at what Jesus said. He told his disciples, these were the everyday guys. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Self-denial is an attribute of a blue chipper disciple of Christ. And it's not flashy. It doesn't even tell people what you're denying necessarily, but it is powerful because when we begin to deny ourselves, what others in the world take as kind of commonplace privilege, boom, the power of God rests on them there. And the before alley here is really cool. We've talked about this before. When Peter heard that there's persecution coming their way and that he was, Jesus himself, was going to be lifted up and uh, put to death, Peter Peter says this, and by the way, I'm a Peter all the way. I would have been doing this, and you would have too, Allie. (laughs) You'd have been like, ain't no way you're going to the cross. I love you. You're rocking my world. Why die now? And he said, no, no, that ain't going to happen, Jesus. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Now, he wasn't. Here's what he was saying. He was saying the, the blue chipper self-denial attribute of being a disciple, this entry point discipleship attribute operates on a whole different playing field than the world that we live in. It's just different. And in this case, it's not about, wow, we got a leader. We're going to open a can and we're going to take on the world. That Christian nationalism bag that people boom crew. Don't go there. That stuff is sucking the life out of us. We've got to go to a biblical Christianity that says, I'm going to deny myself. Yeah, I'll vote. Yes, I'm going to believe God for uh, stemming the tide of an immoral culture. I see what's going on. It's heartbreaking. I get it. But the way up is down. Self-denial is one of the main attributes of discipleship. So that's what came before that verse. But, Ali, you love this, too, what comes after For whoever will save his life will lose it, would save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what does it profit a man 
to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul. And this is getting down to brass tacks about self-denial. This is about stuff. This is about just good old-fashioned, what are we collecting? And is it getting in the way of God? And that's just some awesome truth right there in Matthew 16, Allie. So that first attribute, we're going to give you four of them this week. That first attribute of a disciple of Jesus Christ, self-denier, comes out of Matthew 16, 24. Check it out. Coming to you live from the Morningstar Mission Sponsored Studios, this is Carl and Crew Mornings on 90.1 FM Moody Radio. Good Tuesday morning. It's good to have our team pretty whole for the most part. <laughs> Carl, you got something you want to share <laughs> or not old. share? No, man, I'm sitting in my basement uh, and I'm fighting a bad bug, but oh, I got man. joy in my heart That's big so time, good. man. I don't know if you can tell it, but I'm fired up. I just had a phenomenal trip in Israel with um, some folks from 180, but a bunch of folks from the Boom Crew, and boy, have we got some amazing blue chippers in the Boom Crew. Just so cool. So yeah, get back from there, and whammo. The bug was going around with folks. In fact, we had to take one of our members of the of the Holy Land tour to an emergency care thing where they put her on IVs oh, and a nebulizer man. and got her all. <laughs> and here's what happened. The doctor, really cool Jewish kid, man. Neat kid. Super brilliant. And Omer Eschel, he goes, so uh, what do we, what does she have? He goes, a super contagious virus. Oh, no. And I'm like, rut row. Oh. I just rode in the back of a cab well. and had my arm around her trying to help her get into the clinic. And I'm like, yeah, okay. And so guess what? Omer, Omer, Carl, Janan, and about 20 others have something that we brought back oh. with us from oh, this man. It's okay, man. Don't cry for me, Argentina. We're doing okay here. No, it's a crazy feeling when people around you start getting sick. I get really, really paranoid. Like when my do. kids get like a stomach bug, I pretty yeah. much stop eating for like 48 hours. I have. I got to say this. I got to say this. Look, you are an unbelievable woman of God, but your reaction to people sick around you is one of the funniest things oh, I've yes. ever seen. In my and life. I know that it's a little crazy. So if someone says I'm not feeling well, I, first I take a step back and then I say, well, what exactly are you no, feeling? That's exactly what, what are your symptoms? Physical she steps back as if this is going to help or something. What are we? What are we looking at? Give me some symptoms so I know what you're becoming. Fever, temperature. Number two, she's the medical inquisitor. Yep, she's the inquisition. She wants to know what are the symptoms. Yep. How long have you had them? And is there any way we cannot be in proximity to one another? So I, I do appreciate you broadcasting home. from home today. Yeah. No, I'm fine. I'm with your, fine. I'm with happy. your coworkers in mind. Oh, I did. Actually, I don't want you to get this cred. So no, we don't anyway. want it either. But All right. You, where are we at? We got a question came in? Yeah, great question. As we've been talking about the, the attributes of a disciple, you talked about self-denial, being a self-denier. Someone asked very simpler, simply, what does self-denial even mean? Yeah, I think it's best defined by looking around that central passage. So the verse that Jesus gives, which is really cool, it says, if anyone would come after me, that's discipleship, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So there's a lot of things in here, but that verse is best understood in the context around it, the verses before and the verses after. So I, I kind of alluded to it, but let's pin it down. 
tried to write some quick definitions here on the break. And do we have time right now, or you want yeah, to hold? Let's uh, let's hold it because okay, I, I, I I got some questions I do want to ask you. Okay. Like what beginning? What exactly are we denying ourselves? Yeah, is good. it is it food? Is it water? I mean, what are we talking about here? We'll make it clear coming up. Get more from your morning show. Check us out on social media. Just search Carlin Crew Mornings on Facebook and Instagram. If you're not following us, I would encourage you to do so. If you do use Facebook, Instagram, we post uh, some behind the scenes fun pictures and videos. But more important than that, we post resources. So, for instance, as we talk about these four attributes of a disciple this week, uh, in a couple days, I'll have that up for you where you can read it again. You can share it. You can share what you're learning with other people. So do follow us on Instagram and Facebook, Carl and Crew Mornings. Uh, Carl, Matthew 1624 is what we're talking about today. Yeah, it's so good. Talk about an attribute of a disciple. This thing is money. And I'll tell you why. It's because it comes out of left field in its uh, weightiness. And this is what Jesus said. He told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Here's what's powerful about this. Ali, you get this. When we were kids growing up in church, we heard stories about people that went away to another country, sold all they had, right? You heard oh, yeah. Those. Yep. And it's like that. Whoa, that is that's epic Christianity. Actually, denial of self is entry level Christianity. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I remember the first time you said this, and I'd never heard it quite like that, but it captured something that it was so true that I hadn't even realized, that we do think that eventually down the road, someday I'll get to this point where I could do something like a missionary yeah. would, where I really deny self. Maybe one day far off I'll get there. But really, that's what we're called to do from the jump. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think that stuff of missionary stuff and short-term missions, Superdye, you've been on those before and came back radically changed. But I think all that stuff falls into the category of taking risk. Mm -hmm. But denying self is, man, this is a, this is this is cool because it is not the kind of the epic conclusion of a life of a disciple. It's the entry level decision of a disciple. So the, then the question is, didn't we have someone come in? Well, with a yeah, question? I mean, the question that I have, what am I what exactly am I denying? Is it mean that if I have a, a desire, then that must not be I need to deny that because if I want it, it must not be godly. Yeah, that's a good question. First off, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. God is not anti-desires. Right. It's just he wants to make sure that our desires are jiving with his word. Because having come back from Israel, let me just tell you right now. If you walk with the word of God and you meditate on it and you walk in obedience by the power of the spirit, you're going to win wars. You're going to take land. But if you neglect God and his word and quit being a disciple, you're going to get your booty kicked mm. every picking time. It's just there's just no way around it. So where were we? I'm in a cloud fog here. But <laughs> no. So what exactly oh. are we denying? Yeah. OK, so two things I want to pick up from the text here that are really important. And then I'm going to put a little soundbite around it. Maybe you can write this down. We'll tag it later for, with a little graphic or something. But the precursor, the verses leading into this statement, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me, is Peter hearing for the first time, I'm going to die, Jesus says to him. I'm going to be taken up on a cross. And Peter, rightly, I don't fault him at all, says, no way, you're not going anywhere. Yeah. We're just getting rolling here. You've had three years of public ministry. This ain't happening. 
And Jesus said, yeah, it is. As a matter of fact, he said, get behind me, Satan. Not because Peter was Satan. It's because the essence of denying self is to live so counterintuitive to the ways of this world and and the and the and and the temptation of Satan. Sure. So he's like, don't do it. So here's what I'd say. First off, an attribute of a disciple denying self is, according to that passage, is they don't need to win here. They're okay with winning later. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's well, no. <sighs> they okay. don't need, so let me break it down. What was going on? Jesus was the conquering Savior. He's the Messiah. He's the fulfillment of the prophet Zechariah, and everybody's going, you got to be kidding me. But they didn't have a full grasp on the fact that the Savior needed to go to the cross. Mm. Now, when they heard this, they're like, no, no, no. Here's, here's what we tend to want to do. It's the old bumper sticker. He who dies with the most toys wins. No, the fact is, on earth, God's economy is totally different. Right. And he's telling Peter, if you don't need us to win here and we're willing to win for eternity... You're going to be a good disciple. Now, that's a tough one because, again, I'm coming back to this whole issue of post-Christian nation. Sure, I want to see some of the morality uh, tide of it stemmed. I do. I see late-term abortion. I see transgenderism just destroying the psyche of kids and the treatments that were given these precious kids. breaks my heart. But I'm not going to pound my fist and go, we've got to get our country back. I'm going to look at the word of God and go, well, let's live as disciples. We don't need to win here. We're going to win on the other side. And so one of the greatest attributes of a self-denying disciple is you don't need to win here. We know the back of the book. Yeah. We're going to win down the road. It's a good word. Matthew sixteen twenty four. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Boom Crew, celebrate what God is doing in you. This is Carl and Crew Mornings. You know, you ever feel like you need to have the last word? Or they just need to know that I'm right on this? Oh, yeah. That urge is so strong. Uh huh. <laughs> the flesh rises up. I need to win. And it's not like I'm winning a prize, but they need to know that I'm right. Carl, this is a the very human desire to be right or to have our rightness acknowledged. It is. It's one that I've never struggled with, but it is (laughs) one that is definitely, (laughs) even though I'm sick, I can still, I still muster a sense of humor. No, I mean, that's a, it's like our, that's like Pavlov's dog. When someone tweaks us, it's like the dinner bell for us to defend ourselves, right? Oh yeah. To justify, to explain. You're right on, Allie. See, here's, here's the issue. Self-denial is so counter- cultural it's counter flesh and i'm gonna be bold here we say it all the time on this morning show boom crew we cannot live the christian life this is gonna have to meet jesus and the power of his grace the power of the holy spirit that infuses us with the juice to say i don't have to be right i don't have to get the last word it's okay and that's a beautiful thing so how have you seen this work out practically, Carl, either in your own life or as you've counseled people as a pastor over the years? I think most personally, it's in my marriage. I'm a good husband when I don't have to be right. 
I'm a good husband when I don't have to be right. Mm -hmm. And by the way, here's the funny thing. The problem in marriage is that it's really not right or wrong. It's these unseen hash markers of communication that trips us up. Right. And so it's, it's the football field with no yard markers. And so self-denial is the only thing that gets us out to the middle of the field embracing one another. Otherwise, we're going to sit there forever at home. And I don't, I don't want to camp here, but this is the, the, the best proof of whether or not we're denying self is really how we relate to those closest to us. Mm. Just is. It's so true, because when we read Matthew sixteen twenty four, then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him take up his, deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. I think sometimes we just think of it as the, the really big stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That, like, I'm, I'm not going to get a Beamer. I'm going to drive a Chevrolet. Right. <laughs> right. The, the big stuff that I'm going to, that I, for, for the, my love of God, I'm not going to do this big thing or I'm going to yeah. do this big thing that I don't w- want to. But we can miss the everyday opportunities that sometimes feel much harder. Yeah, really. That's so true, Allie. I mean, it's this text that we're looking at here today is all about the unseen things. It's about that stuff that isn't like no one's going to see. I'm denying myself. They might. I've known some people like Letourneau was the president of Letourneau Bible College. I think he was the founder, excuse me. And he made a commitment. He got so wealthy. He made a commitment. I'm giving 90% of it away and keeping 10%. And so he did something that was bold, but people really didn't know the extent of his sacrifice until after they put dirt over him six feet down. Mm. Isn't that cool? Yeah. I mean, that's just righteous. So uh, self-denial, if you're listening going, I don't know if I can do this, I want to assure you, you can't. Uh, Again, just flashing back to being in Israel, guys, God rocked my world. I feel like crying right now. God rocked me. It's my fourth trip there. It's all coming together now like this big old jigsaw puzzle. But this is the unequivocal takeaway from the Holy Land. You humble yourself under God's mighty hand. You're going to take land. You're going to win wars. You are going to have peace in your soul that transcends all of that. You try to live by the economy of this world. You're going to get your booty kicked and you're going to get ripped off at a soul level. And it ain't worth it. Mm. It's so good to be reminded of that. I mean, Scripture interprets Scripture. So did we go to another verse yet? Yep, I recognize that one. I don't know the landing place exactly, but that humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. When you start looking for it, it's kind of like getting that new car. All of a sudden you see it everywhere. Everybody has a red Jeep once I got one. (laughs) Once you start looking for that humility, it's all over the word of God. No energy? No problem. We have all the energy you need and more. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. Got Carl back from Israel, checking in, but he did bring back something with him. (laughs) Not a good souvenir. Yeah. Unfortunately, (laughs) along with the souvenirs, I'm sure he got some trinkets and things, but he also brought back. Carl, are you there? What did you bring back? We're we're pretty olive wooded out. We've brought back trinkets in the past, but Mm -hmm. we brought back a virus no and uh it it got us we had a phenomenal trip though i gotta tell you i just amazing trip great people a lot of boom crewers on this trip and it's great we we did something really well we we broke a record for omer eschel we have never he has never had a trip 
where someone didn't get lost and have to grab a cab back to the hotel. <laughs> wow. All right. I made it my goal that we weren't going to do that because you don't want to get lost in Jerusalem. No, you don't no. want to get lost in no, Jerusalem no, no, no. Uh, or any city for that matter. But yeah, so we didn't lose anyone. How about them apples? That's but, great. Yeah. Good. But we, we saw some just when you go with Omer Eshel on a study tour, you better have on your Nikes. Because <laughs> you're running? Because you're moving. We're moving. I mean, goodness. we were moving, and it was uh, it was extraordinary. It's amazing to me that a country the size of New Jersey is so the focal point of the world. Yeah. It's just staggering. Really I mean, is. that alone, that alone begs a question. Who is this Jesus? I mean, that's where he was born. Three years of public ministry that rocked the world to this day, and it was awesome to be there. Some of the some of the new finds over there are so cool. One of the coolest things we did over there went to a sifting station. Ooh, and tell us about it. Well, in the underneath the dome of the rock, uh, the Palestinians actually uh, decided that they wanted to do some serious excavation and get all remnants of ancient Israel out from under and around the dome of the rock, and they came in there kind of in the dark at night, and I guess some people knew what was going on, but they were taking dump truck loads of excavated artifacts and just throwing them into the, uh, I think it was the Kidron Valley, maybe the Hinnom Valley, Uh, but one of the valleys they were taking them out to, I think it was the Kidron. And it turned out to be a blessing in disguise because Israel is committed to doing archaeological digs everywhere. 37,000 sites have been, are currently being excavated or have been excavated, and uh, they're finding amazing things. You know that out of the 5,000 verifiable finds, from coins to pottery to uh, writings, there has not been one thing that has contradicted the Word of God. Mm. Not one thing. Wow. So it's it's a it's a cool thing to be there. But they so they dumped all this stuff out. Well, the nation of Israel, the Israeli government goes, whoa, look at this. And some of the archaeologists are like, well, it's not the way we would have wanted to find it. But they have been finding artifacts that they never would have found if that excavation wouldn't have been done. And so they've they've got these these piles of debris and they take them to a sifting center and if someone's in the boom crew that was on this trip they're like oh boy that was so fun because you get these buckets of just junk with water in it and they teach you how to sift this stuff to look for artifacts you're finding stuff from get this now our little group went in there did some sifting and then we took all these finds and the the chief mucky muck of this sifting station who is brilliant. He starts going through this stuff and says, I'm going to do a little show and tell of what you guys have found. We found things that were 4,000 years old. Whoa. Yeah. We found pottery things that were 4,000 years old mosaics that were 4,000 years old. Beautiful. Uh, Things that were a thousand years old, 2000 years old. You know, I mean, if you dig something up around America and it's a hundred years old, you're like Shazam. It's a hundred years old. (laughs) Well, that ain't nothing. And so the sifting site was epic. But, you know, I think what this trip did for me, there's so much to share. But what it did for me was put an undying 
fire in my belly for making disciples to live the Great Commission. And that's what we want to do here with Carl and crew, Boom Crew. That's what we're committed to. Superdie, Young Thunder, Allie, Carl, we're all in on this, man. Yeah. We're all in on this. And we're disciples of Christ just like you. We have our foibles. Uh, we have our weaknesses. We have our strengths. But we're growing in the grace and power of God. Hey, this is Carl with Carl and Crew, and I'm so grateful that you listened to this showcast. Thank you mostly for being part of the Boom Crew. As we help you take your next step with Jesus, you're a huge encouragement to us. We'll be here again live every weekday morning from 5 to 9 a.m. Godspeed.